From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 223, and today I'm joined by Paul Sanyong Lee, who you must know from Kim's Convenience, as well as a couple episodes of The Mandalorian, Christopher Ware-Smets, a writer and director who is most known for The Last Hitman, Norm Wilner, the senior film critic for Now Magazine, as well as the host of the Someone Else's Movie podcast, and last but not least, my son Ephraim. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we are sitting down to watch Shin Godzilla, and we're actually sitting down with people, which is the first time, I think, for all of us to sit down in a group to watch a movie. Uh, I'll, we'll go around the room and introduce ourselves. I'm Jeremy. I have not seen this film. Uh, I'm Ephraim. I have not seen this film. I'm Chris. I have not seen this film. Well, I'm Paul. I just rewatched this film two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Norm. I have seen this film twice, but not in a while. And we are, and, and apologies, we were watching this uh, during a, a Godzilla attack, so yeah. it's raining. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we, this is something we we it's been on my like to do list of, of podcast episodes because I think at some point we all mentioned wanting to watch it together. So it's been like one of those floating ones where I'm like, okay, eventually I got to do it, but we got to wait until we can do it together because it's that kind of a movie. Am I correct in thinking that it was 2019? We were at the. The Criterion Party, the Godzilla right. thing. Yeah. Criterion Party at TIFF. Yes. Oh, yeah, I got a cookie. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I brought him home the, cook, the cookie. Yeah. There That's is right. a magnificent photograph of, of me and Paul with the Godzilla performer who was, <laughs> she was a lovely person who was yeah. dying of heat exhaustion. Yeah. Oh. I can only imagine. Yeah. 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 I felt bad because I was kind of a late, uh, like a straggler coming in and I think she thought she was done for the night. <laughs> There I go. I come rolling in and say, "Well, we got to take a picture with you." She's come yeah. out. She did a great job. Though. Get back up there and dance. <laughs> oh, who is this guy? Whoa. Poor Godzilla. Roar for Paul. <laughs> uh, so I, all I know about this is what you have told me in like small little snippets, which is that it's kind of like a meta Godzilla, in a way. Is that accurate? It, it's a, it's def- definitely a different perspective in terms of like the, the genre itself. Uh, it, it's 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 got that sort of um, that little like it, it it's almost like a variant version of it where okay. Godzilla himself, while he is kind of the focus of the movie, he kind of isn't the focus of the movie uh, in terms of character at least. Uh, in this, I think it's safe to say that it, it's it's he's not your run of the mill Godzilla. Great. Yeah, it yeah. is the answer to the question that I always ask in these films, which is what is the bureaucracy like to deal with something like this, but really seriously about it. These yeah. people have fought it through. Right. Oh, great. So it's smart. It's very smart. It's also ridiculous. Oh, great. I in keep the best pi- way. Right. 
I keep thinking, what's that Marvel series, the comic series, where oh, it's about damage control. Damage, damage control. control. Yeah. I keep thinking that it's sort of like the damage control version of Godzilla. Would that be accurate or not really? Sort of. Yeah. Well, There's more of a hierarchy. Like damage control is your classic wacky pals okay. structure, and this okay. is based in. It's infuriating. <laughs> on, on many levels, it's infuriating okay. because you you look and you see. Well, you'll you'll see. But there are these steps where you just like it's that's that's how a government functions, right. and you kind of look at it and go, well, we thought our government was inept, right? And it's just like no, I think just government itself is a bit inept in terms of, you know, there, there's a hierarchy and there's nice. a way of doing things, yeah. and instead of doing, it's it's fairly obvious this is what we need to do. You have to go through so many levels <laughs> before you can get to it, and by so, then it's like. Well, it's too late. We've that ship is passed. So it's almost like this. It's, it sounds like this movie is in response to all those movies where people go, "No, that would never happen like that." Yeah. <laughs> so now we get to see the version where everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah, you know how um, people were rewatching Contagion the last couple of years mm-hmm. for obvious yeah. reasons, yeah, and saying, "Boy, that's like." ridiculously optimistic now the idea that everyone would get behind the science and pull together and all levels of government <laughs> what this, a fantasy yeah, yeah this is the movie that is that that is what would really happen oh know, great which is that there's somebody whose job it is to give everybody a fresh white shirt in case the media shows up yeah and beyond that Godzilla's like 10 blocks away destroying everything oh we, well I think that you probably should pause there because yeah. I don't want to know anything more I don't know too much more yeah, yeah. Yeah. so what is your I have like I got the the criterion box set of all the the original Godzilla films the thing is 17 in the set the Showa era the Showa era yeah, yeah. so I've seen all of those um, but I, and I've seen all the recent the new like relaunching of the Godzilla mm-hmm. cinematic universe whatever the hell they're trying to do with Godzilla it Godzilla versus right. Kong yeah, yeah. So I've seen those, um, and that's about it. So I like know the really old school stuff and the newer. Where do you? F- and Ephraim's seen the original Godzilla. I've seen the one, one first one. He's just seen the first one. The original, and he loved it. Yeah. The original, the black and white. Yeah, yeah we all yeah, watched yeah. that together. Yeah, we all watched that. The yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wh- where you? Where do you sit in like your your scope of Godzilla background? Um, well, that was Godzilla was something that I grew up with watching on Saturday afternoons. On uh, on Buffalo Twenty Nine, they would air the Godzilla movies. Nice. And uh, so I ha- I I didn't always know which was which. Uh, you know, there would be ones where Godzilla would like come flying in on his tail to kick a monster over. Like it became like wrestling. The wrestling yeah. After a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it went well, and of course I'd seen the Godzilla with you guys, the original, and then I'd, I'd seen that a few years earlier uh, when it was. Re- first restored to its its Japanese length and um, yeah and just with the Criterion channel now I recently watched uh, Monster Island for the first time which I hadn't seen I'd always wanted to see uh, and finally saw that and then yeah then the, then some of the new ones I've never saw the the one the Brian Cranston okay. Godzilla reboot but yeah. the other two I've seen and uh, I love how you called the Brian Cranston. I was, tr- I, I was in the movie for I, like twenty I know. minutes. I was, I was <laughs> blanking. Yeah. I was blanking on the director. No, no, the director. Cool. No, that was the way they were marketing. That was yeah. well, Brian, that's exactly Brian Cranston the and Godzilla. Snake oil bait and switch. Type right. Yeah. Thing. Walter right. White versus Godzilla. <laughs> like, I'm in. Take my money. That's <laughs> what people want. Like, that sounds like a pretty fun. They should have done that as like an SNL sketch or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am the one. And how about you, Paul? Oh, I'm like all over the map right now. The legendary stuff is fun. Like the new stuff that's out, it, it's fun. But it's it's kind of it's interesting because I had this discussion with 
Uh, I was talking to Dave Filoni, actually, because he's actually a huge Showa-era Godzilla fan. Mm, that does not Godzilla. surprise me. Yeah. yeah, and so he's old-school nerd, and I just finished watching Godzilla vs. Kong, and I was like, so what, what do you think? And he was like, you know, there was a great perspective that he told, because he said... I basically said it'd be really fun if you directed one of these because I think you have to show the right level of respect for the source material and this and that. He said, this is great, but he wouldn't feel comfortable doing that because it's such a quintessentially Japanese movie and experience. Right. Uh, it came out of um, a response to like having two nuclear bombs dropped on them, right? Yeah. Uh, and it, it's so uniquely Japanese. And he said, that's the problem with the legendary stuff that's right now because it's so North American. They missed the point. They missed the point. And it, it's, yeah. it's all flash and, and like, oh, this looks really great and stuff. But the heart of what these movies are is kind of, it's, it's a lived-in Japanese experience. And he didn't want to do it an, an injustice. So No, they don't approach the themes properly. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what I feel is kind of missing from the newer stuff, the newer stuff, I mean, visually it looks spectacular. It's monsters beating up on each other. But it really is kind of a shadow of the Showa era films and, and the, the underlying themes within them. Uh, so That doesn't surprise me that he's a, a fan of it. Because I think of, like, when I look at, like, Mandalorian, I think of, like, Son of Godzilla. You can see, yeah. like, with the way, just the way the child is dealt and the way, like, the baby Godzilla is dealt with. Yeah. Like, you can see, like, the corollaries between those two. Because he, at first, like, Godzilla very reluctantly takes on this. And it's not really his son, it's just another Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, and how he kind of reluctantly becomes the thing's parent. Uh, mm. And so you can see kind of, like, the parallels there. That's interesting. And Norm, yeah. you, I imagine you've watched them all. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what Norm does. I grew up on them. My, uh, when I was, I can't remember how old I was, but I was under 10. My grandfather had a movie theater down on Queen near Bathurst, the Orpheum, and... Apparently, I was enough of a Godzilla nerd then that they got a print of Godzilla vs. Megalon and screened it for my birthday. Oh, wow. I don't remember it, (laughs) but they assure me it happened. How old? Uh, I couldn't have been, I couldn't have been more than maybe eight, maybe nine, but um, I I, I vaguely remember images. I think Godzilla vs. Megalon is the one where he does the wrestling move on his tail. Oh, is that? Okay. Uh, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I watched them all within like a two-month span, so they kind of blend together. After the first one, they blend. Yeah, or the first two, they they, they really shift. Once it gets to color, they... they all do sort of become the same movie. It's yeah. true, and it's it's fine. They were started. They were they started as as like serious adult horror, and then very quickly turned into kids entertainment. That's how Toho treated them, and and then the films that came along in the '90s, not so much the '80s, but in the '90s they. Oh no! Hang on. When was um. Uh, it might have trickled into the 80s, the show stuff. Yeah. It's definitely in the 70s for sure. Yeah, no, the show mm-hmm. stuff finished in the 70s, right? Late 70s. 73. Mm-hmm. Then it was quiet for a while. Then there was The Return of Godzilla, which was Godzilla 85. Yeah. They brought right. Raymond Burr back. The one where Raymond Burr shows up yeah. and with, a, with a Dr. Pepper machine, which is yeah. the only thing he remembers. Huge Dr. Pepper sponsorship for New Really? <laughs> they Amazing. paid for a machine in every war room scene. <laughs> and it's so obviously, like... Just kill. Dr. Pepper. That's all they're yeah. drinking. And Amazing. it's more important than Raymond Burr in half the shots. <laughs> like that's get that shot. Get that get the machine in. Have someone drinking. No, just light the machine more. And <sighs> then the next one, Godzilla vs. Biollante, is amazing. It's the one that actually starts to do the intelligent consideration of Godzilla as a force, but also what kind of monsters would rise up. Because after Godzilla eighty five, all the monsters are basically grown from Godzilla. Hmm. They're, oh wow. They're offshoots or oh, Biollante is a scientist who is trying to clone his dead daughter, and he splices the got some of Godzilla's DNA into this orchid, which turns into a giant raging monster. But it's good; like it's really oh. smart. And besides I, the, the setup, 
Yeah, well, I mean, you, you have to start from silliness, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like some of the legendary stuff, when they really dig into like the mythical scale of these stories and what's really going on, I'm, I love that stuff because mm-hmm. I'm the kid who was wondering what it would be like to run the Godzilla Bureau. Mm-hmm. Or um, there's another one where it's uh, 92, 93, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, maybe? And the idea is that aliens from the future, they, they say they're time travelers, but they're aliens. They, they come from the future and say, we have a time machine and we can make sure Godzilla never happens. We can just move the dinosaur. So it's not woken up by the atomic blast. Save millions of lives. Japan will be restored. Like it's, it's this kind of almost acknowledging the dystopian aspects of all the Godzilla movies, which is that every now and then, an unstoppable force of nature kills a bunch of people Sometimes by saving others. What's that like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of freaky. Yeah. Um, that all of this resonance is now bouncing back in yeah. giant monster movies. But yeah, so time travelers offer Japan the opportunity to never have had a Godzilla. As you do. They take them up on it very quickly. <laughs> and of course, it turns out that the whole thing was... I mean, they do it. They actually do stop Godzilla from existing. And then they bring in King Ghidorah right. to really fuck shit up. Because that's what they want. They really want to take over the world, and Godzilla is the impediment. And so it's this, it's it's nuts. But the whole setup is is such a it's a plot hole because if they can't, if Godzilla never attacked them, they would never have sent them to stop Godzilla yeah, in the first. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Forget about. We don't think about these. <laughs> don't tug on the thread. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's better to not. Know. Yeah, that's but but those are the movies that I love the most, and that's one. And Shin Godzilla slots right in because it is. What if all of this was happening for the first time? There was no precedent. We know what Godzilla is. Nobody in the movie knows. And also, they have to have everything signed. Like everybody I love has to it. sign off. That. That's yeah. my jam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a con- it's a monster movie about frustration. Well, well, that's where like for me like when I made like, how to plan an origin in a small town like that's where that comes from. Like my version is like all the different stuff you have to deal with and the awkwardness of that outside of the sexuality, right. as opposed mm-hmm. to just making a sexy movie. It's like no, I want to get into like the nitty gritty stuff that fascinates me and the questions I have is like how you set that up so a movie like this is it's my jam I'm looking forward to the it. negotiations yeah alright well we should jump in yeah let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat and we just finished uh I don't I'll let Ephraim start. Oh, no. So what did you... Well, just... Can I, you describe what he looks like first? Yeah. That was my favorite... Not my favorite thing. There's so much I liked about this. <laughs> but I loved that. Like, the... Anyway, you start. He looks like a demented chicken that can't blink. <laughs> like a snake <laughs> chicken. In a way, yeah. Like, that was my first big surprise, because I know we had mentioned in the pre-talk that they, they took some liberties with how he looks, but I love that it's like he's this ever-evolving thing, and they even talk at one point that he could spread wings. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's what I was expecting. Like, there was that one moment where, uh, when he's kind of hibernating, whatever he's doing, where you see a little chink, and it's like, oh, is he forming a chrysalis? Is he about mm. to evolve into something else? Which we never see, spoiler alert. Uh, but that's, is that what you think is happening? Like he's evolving underneath there, and and he's gonna unleash this shell he's currently in. Yeah, I mean they talk about it. They and again we mentioned this before we started recording. The the fun of this is watching experts try to say, "Oh, I know what's happening." When yeah, absolutely no one has any idea that mm-hmm. this is unprecedented. But they do talk about 
the end of the human race through the propagation of a Godzilla spawn. It's really vague and it kind of rushes past, but we see it at the end. There, mm-hmm. there were going to be Godzilla people. And yeah, yeah they're supposed to be smaller in size, but capable of flight when it was deciding to, to procreate. Uh, what I enjoyed about the design was initially when it came out and it looked like chicken, chicken snake, uh, it was very reminiscent of Anguirus or some of the older uh, Toho picture uh, version, like monsters that he would battle earlier yeah. on, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was like out, like right down to the sort of like the, the non-blinking, the fake, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the fish eye sort of going through and stuff. But I did like that evolution of it because you did see elements in it, like the the fins on the back, and then you see you learn later on. Oh the no, gills. they're actually there to help. It's a cooling system, right? It's like a heat sink. Yeah. And so little little nuggets like that I thought were really cool. And then the tail itself was reminiscent, I thought, because that was very different from Godzilla's tail because it shot a freaking laser out of it. Yeah. Uh, at one point oh, where it did that yeah. double out of the mouth, out of the, out of the tail spin. Um, it was like uh, King Ghidorah's tail where it actually had that, that ability to, oh, right, to have that yeah, thing, right? Yeah. So like all these little touchstones I thought were really great. But the most disturbing part of it, and I was talking about this before, was and this is what terrified my kids – was this Godzilla, there, it, it was not like a moral sort of hero that was coming through to, to teach. It was just a force of nature that mm-hmm. was there to just dominate. Yeah. And that's the biggest departure, I think, from, from the show of films to this. He wasn't, a ch- it's not a champion. It doesn't protect the humans. It, this is, it is there. This Godzilla is there to just wreak havoc. Well, the original Godzilla was too, I was going right? to say. The very, very yeah, first yeah. one. He didn't become like the hero of Japan until... A couple of films in. Yeah. Because the first one is just... Rea- I mean, what, what I loved about this one as, like, a remake of the original, if you look at it that way, is it that... Is. Yeah, because the original... Because it's resetting it, right? It's rebooting Godzilla. They don't know what it is. It's coming out of nowhere. But in the original, it's... I kind of knew what it was. Didn't they send, like, a girl out every 50 years to, like, feed it or whatever? Oh, well, that, they got into that in one of the sequels, that it was like they had to feed it uh, no, that was a sacrifice. That was, they said that in the first one. Did they? They must have, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because the people on the island yeah, were yeah, very aware a, of Godzilla, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, what's the, they, they mentioned the island name in this. But anyway, they... Uh, where was I going? Oh, no, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, so the original is, is just a reaction to, you know, the, the nuclear stuff that happened in Japan during the war, right? But what's great is this takes place a generation removed. And so, as opposed to them reacting to that, now they're reacting to, like, never again. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's and so that's where, it, like, we were talking about the themes earlier and how they keep it, you know... But this scene was different because, like, the Godzilla from, I mean, the 50s, it was a direct sort of, like, an analogy to, like, having nuclear bombs dropped yes. on Japan. And, and that was the thing. This, in this version of it, it's nuclear waste that's being dumped. Okay. Into the ocean bed floor, and they gloss over that. They kind of go, "Oh, this is it's it, this unknown species has been feeding on this, and now it's gained uh, immunity to to all the radioactivity, and it's it's being formed into this." They just totally like that's a huge chunk that I think that's that's philosophically different. And it's right, you're you're right. It's because the reaction to all the actors when they say you're gonna drop a nuclear bomb, yeah. On our soil again, like that's a, that's a lived. Yeah, that was no acting required. This is something that runs deeply in the veins of all those performers. There, the horror, the the thought of even theorizing that you're gonna you're gonna drop another bomb on this country is is 
no way, no way. You could just feel that. And that's the biggest difference right there is, is between legendary, like legendary filmmakers, oh, like yeah. mm-hmm. films and, and stuff, and a Japanese sort of told story was you have that lived experience of the horror of radioactivity, of nuclear bombs and this and that. And that's what Godzilla, it, in essence, was. And that's the different shift here. It's Now it's not because of the nuclear bombs it was created but now it's like we need to use nuclear bombs to destroy, destroy it yeah mm-hmm. right and so that's that's it sort of falls so in, well in line but then that's what I, was, I meant like I love that aspect yeah. like it was still it was using the nuclear stuff in a different way in, yeah. a, in a more modern way the way you would have to because now it's a generation removed but it haunts that generation because they all know the stories mm-hmm. yeah. and they're all bound by diplomacy not to mm-hmm. be horrified publicly Right? It's just about minister after minister swallowing their own terror and going along with this because NATO wants it that way or the defense structure demands it. They're all, they talk about sovereignty and whether or not the U.S. can have the right to do this. And then one person just quietly, who's, who's technically working for the American government, just says, my grandmother's country, you can't do this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And finds a way around it. But it's fascinating because like, it, it would be so easy for this movie to become Mars Attacks. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, and just playing up that, and really just hammering how inept government can be. But like you said, it takes it seriously, but it still lets us laugh at it. And with it, I think. Like, it's meant to be, like, when they go from meeting to meeting and room to room and all this, just like, and even just when they're going through the, you know, the protocols of bombing, like five different, you have yeah. to go through all the different chains of command backwards and forwards before it can happen. And- that's that's the brilliance of this movie is the absurdity of it all because it's I, I have no doubt that that's probably exactly how it is and that's why governments seem to be so ineffective because and it's there's another layer of hierarchy here in in Japanese culture as well where you can't speak out of place so if you're a junior member I mean he's warned by his mentor saying hey you know like you got to watch what you're saying there uh, in the meeting and you not only think about yourself but think about the person who stood who brought you here meaning him, yeah. right? So you not only sort of put yourself in trouble, you put me in trouble. And there's that sense, that form, it's in Asian culture too, is you respect your elders, you, you don't step out of line. And it is very much from top down. Uh, and that's just so, for me, it hit home very, very hard because it's just like, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. You're not allowed to say, you can't say poop, even if your mouth's full of it type thing. Mm. Um, and the, the idea as well... Um, where they, you know, they kept switching rooms because it's the decorum, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, we're in the prime minister's office. Well, now we have to, we have to hold the conference. So they moved to a whole different room. <laughs> but if you notice, the structure of where everybody's seated is different. Yeah. So when you're making decisions in the intersectum, there's sort of like the senior table and the juniors, like the adults and the kids. But then when you're doing policy, it's all one big table that they're all sitting around to make it look like it's all democratic. And there's that line in there too where they talk about, well, that's democracy for you. Mm. And it's interesting because Japan didn't start off as a democracy, right? It was feudal Japan. They had, they had lords and, and um, it was a feudal society. So like for them to follow up and go, no, no, we're going we're gonna to do democracy and in true Japanese fashion. We're going to do democracy to the T's. Right? Yeah. So everything has to be copacetic before we move on. 
Right? So, so it's really interesting that, and the younger generation going like, we just need to get stuff done. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, stop worrying about your titles. I love that. Well, even there, scene. They, they go on about it. It's like in ten years you can be prime minister. And I'm like, we don't know if Japan's gonna be here in ten years. Yeah. You know, he he's like that's like he's the moral center of the movie. That yeah. guy, right? Well, it, and it's the idea of too. It's like when he starts that first task force. He says this is like a horizontal. Uh, leadership thing. Does, yeah. we're, we're not going to worry about titles. If you think of something or if you know information, just say it, for God's sakes, right? So, like, that was, that's really, and that's really outside the box thinking for Japan. It's the fact that, well, you, there's no chain of command for me to go up. Like, okay, a lot of people are not used to being able to speak their minds. So, I don't know. I, yeah. They, have to, they have to make the point that they're all the exceptions the weirdos, the artists, yeah. the, the rebels. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because they, just don't have a place in the big room. No. That's what saves them. Yeah. No, I love that one guy that uh, he's, he, he realizes the origami. Uh, right. It's almost like he's like the smartest person in the room, if, if there is one, in terms of his outside box. Because he's the one that comes up with the whole freezing plan, isn't he? That guy? I think so. There's a whole team. So. It's hard to... Yeah, I, Again, actually, no hierarchy. The structure yeah. works. I don't know. You don't know actually. the characters because I don't think Oh, God. Well, that was the hardest part of watching so this with subtitles is that you're, you're reading all the different titles of different people and at one point I was like, I can't bother. I just gotta... Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm not, it's very annoying just, it's just looking up and then looking down. Yeah, well, I think it's deliberate too because by the end of it he's identifying what type of tank and what type of missile. <laughs> it's just, you know, this and this and this and this. It's just a... a a barrage of information. And they didn't need to tell us who's who, right? Well, it doesn't hurt, but it's like when you think they do that in, in movies, that, but it's just you're not reading the subtitles at the same time, so it's not as hard to follow, but right. in here, I'm just like, I just got to try to recognize faces. <laughs> well, and they generally do it in movies that are docudramas, that are based on, on real events, and they play it as if it's, you know, a docudrama or, or almost a documentary about a real, a real thing that's happening. And that sense of immediacy that it has, because it's so different from something like a Cloverfield, which has a completely different point of view to it. There, I think, what also makes this Godzilla scary is the uh, these vistas of the city where he is on the other side of it, and the frame is completely yeah. still. And there's something about that that makes you think of footage you see of like when they're you know when, when like a, a bl- like CNN. Uh, well, CNN like what what like the, the towers. City, the, yeah, or the city where the where that the blast happened in the harbor last year. Oh, that was in no and no. Um, remember last year there was that. Uh, oh yeah. Where um, not, was it? It was it. Um, it wasn't in Libya, was it? Oh no, it was, it was in Beirut. Lebanon. It was in Beirut. It was in Lebanon. Lebanon yeah, it was in Lebanon. Oh. And it had that same sort of that just cold back skyline. Yeah, it's just, there's just sort of a coldness to that when you see the, the 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 news footage of like here's this smoking crater where you know all these people have died, and here's the rest of the city over here. Everything's fine. And that's if that was happening in Toronto, you would look over and you would you know oh it's happening over in the east. You know <laughs> exactly. End. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you if you knew the landscape, yeah. You see the plume of smoke and. There's just something very... And, and also the fact that they're showing life's going on. The trains are still running. Uh, you know, things are still Stock open. Stock market's still open. You know, like, don't worry. We're, we're going to keep keep things going. Yeah. It's... It, I love that kind of unpolished uh, visual approach to it. Mm-hmm. Like, they even... Like, they just those... 
I mean, I think part of it was just to make visual effects easier because mm -hmm. they, clearly their visual effects budget was not yeah. amazing. They're pretty cool effects. They're though, pretty cool, but yeah. you, it's it's just not. Like when he, the tail first emerges, it's a bit like. Yeah, and just those cranes coming out. It just you see the CGI, right? Like it's. But that said, it doesn't bother you because the movie's working as well as it is, right? Yeah. But. What, what's great is that they even have moments where, because it's not like the movie is without score, but there's so many moments where they just don't, where you expect it, especially that end, like that last shot where you're focusing on the tail and it's like, what the fuck? Where any other like American movie, it would be swelling yeah. or going to something dark and sinister yeah. and you're left with nothing. You're just left with your own thoughts going, what the fuck am I looking at? Yeah. What exactly. the fuck is that? <laughs> Godzilla people! Do you, you know what, the, talking about the, the differences between Japanese cinema and, and, and American too, when the plan works, spoiler alert, when it works and it freezes and everybody's what, there's no big, yeah, like no. everybody jumping up and down and high-fiving and hugging. They're all just like, back, <sighs> now back to work. Yeah. yeah. It, it was just, that was such a striking difference. I thought that too. I was like, I'm waiting, like, no one applauds? No one yeah. even like claps? Yeah, again, like no John Williams score swelling on the soundtrack. Cutting, yeah, cutting to like the other planets in the Republic with fireworks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even all the military dudes like on the platform in the radiation suits. It's like, like the guy turns around and says, thank you all for your work. And yeah. they're all just so stoic yeah. in it. In, the, in that moment, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Just a bunch of trauma. <laughs> well, just, that's just it. It's like, we're not going to... Well, because the idea too is like when you think about that, like when everyone's cheering, it's like they're not doing that because it's like, so many people just died. Yeah. Like, yeah. we're still living in a horrific situation. It seems to be over, but it's like, it's not far from where we got to rebuild. We got we to gotta hope this thing doesn't wake up again. Yeah. Well, that's it. The fact that it's just there in the middle of the city <laughs> yeah. is such I, an I incredible image. Mm -hmm. Well, just looming is that we don't know. It's like, that's is it. it, do we have to constantly freeze this thing? You can't really airlift it out of it. How much is it weigh? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. But now Tokyo has a Godzilla district. Yeah. Which I think is wonderful. I want to see a movie where people are just trying to find a restaurant. There was... Um, <laughs> I think we might have talked about this before. There was a movie that Ben Stiller really wanted to make in the mid-90s called First and Last, I think, or Safety Deposit, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's about people who have to keep being relocated because of giant monster attacks. Amazing. <laughs> and it was just like, it was basically a romantic comedy about wow. two people who meet in the same apartment building because their homes have been destroyed by monsters. And there is something to this, I, I mean, I love those shots and the eeriness of them and how, how wrong Godzilla looks in these skylines because mm -hmm. it's like the refutation of all the editorial cartoons and all the kids' drawings about, it would be really awesome if Godzilla was in this shot of the city. It's like, no, it would be terrifying yeah because yeah. there is a giant monster he's not moving right now but he will but even that that because usually he just goes off that's the first time i've ever seen him just like pause where he is like he always goes back yeah. to the water to recuperate right yeah this is the first time i've ever seen him just hunker down and stand there and everyone's like i think he's on pause well he's <laughs> like a he's like a volcano yeah right mm -hmm. they're waiting for him to yeah that's again. a great met that's a great yeah. way to look at him yeah, yeah. i loved um as well, oh god, what was it? I lost it. Someone else. Well, Chris, you go. I mean, I think it's also, f I, I, it's very funny that we made plans to watch this almost two years ago, and we're seeing it now because it has so much resonance with <laughs> what we've been going through in terms of well, the, just the something news that, something cycle. out of your control. Yeah. We don't know, we were not, we were just talking about how it's like, uh, in, the, in the break, where it's just like, we, you know, so, 
the joke of experts here. Yeah. And the idea that it's like, what do the experts think? There's no experts. No <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is all being this is all being deduced yeah. in real time. And how at the beginning of COVID, we were just like, it's like I think you got to put your groceries in the alley and then wash them <laughs> yeah, yeah. for a couple well, days. Like that's what we were yeah. doing. Three days outside. People, people were one convinced. YouTube video. Yeah, and people were convinced you were going to shit yourself constantly, so everyone yeah. was hoarding toilet yeah. paper. But also this idea of the uh, the prime minister. Okay, well, I got to give a news conference, so I'm going to put on my military jacket to show that I'm like a you know like a wartime leader. Yeah. And then you know it literally is saying, oh no, don't worry, it uh, it can't come. Was it? it yeah. Can't come on land. Yeah. Can't support it. Uh, all can't support Everyone's it fine. It's, it's all good. It's fine. And then a whisper in the ear. <laughs> it's like um. Yeah. It just felt like a like a Doug Ford yeah. con, you know press conference. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what I was gonna say, I loved in that last battle, in the, the battle. I just loved how they. I've never seen also them use the city against Godzilla. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. the way they're right. knocking over buildings, sure, and and just sending trains after them. Usually, it's just like he's just the destroying the city, right. and they're trying to get out of the way. But there's like no, it's like using that against him was such a clever, smart thing I've never seen done in a Godzilla movie. Right, because he's always he's just always the one destroying it. Well, and also yeah. it's like, look, there's got to be some collateral damage. He's going to destroy it anyway. Yeah, yeah. We might as well use it, because what else are we going to do? Just sit here and do nothing? Yeah, they're minutes away from nuclear annihilation. It doesn't matter if one tower goes down. But also just that idea of them, them going, we have to, as a country, stand up and try before we let the rest of the world save us. Mm-hmm. And if we fail, then we fail, but we have at least... We've got an idea. We think it's pretty good. We've got to at least do it before that because if that happens, we're done. And just that speech, too. It's like, the guy is basically, I don't know if we're going to suffer radiation. We're probably going to be bad for all of us, but <laughs> we got to think of the future of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, Probably all those people that were within the black, like what you would call the blast radius of Godzilla, they're all going to die of cancer. Yeah. 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 And hundreds of thousands of people are probably dead after the the energy release in Tokyo. I don't know how to describe that, but it's incredible. It's that, in- that sequence yeah. has it, it's so much power, and part of it is that Godzilla is demonstrating new abilities that we've never seen in any of the other movies, which is fine because you can do whatever you want. It's a new movie, but also but you buy it. You buy yeah, it all. But Godzilla looks wrong. Mm-hmm. Like this Godzilla, this version of him looks sick. It looks like it's in pain. There's something horrible happening to everyone around it. I, I, I found that so, I hate to say refreshing, because that's a positive word, but it is. There's never been a treatment of this like, uh, like that before. And also, the way that he is designed, the way that the, the puppet and the model looks, it's probably all CG, but it looks like it's handmade. I was going to say, yeah. And that someone just raked their fingers through the clay to make the skin and the rivulets. It looks like the original puppet that shows mm-hmm. up in the first mm-hmm. Godzilla over the mountain. <laughs> right. Yeah. Terrible which, puppet. Which looks, yeah. And sure. when you see it, you suspend your disbelief. You, you kind of have to make an effort now with the original. Uh, oh, that is just a hand puppet. But now it's like, oh, if the hand puppet was 200 feet tall and in screaming misery, it kind of would look like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, that's, a, that's what makes it so terrifying is the fact that they do, there's like, there's fallout from it. Mm-hmm. Just its presence. It's like, well, there's a radioactive signature happening from it, right? So, like, they're real-world sort of effects. But the fact that when that first plume of, of steam comes out of the bay, and there's that ring of blood, and yeah. in the tunnel underneath, the yeah. blood starts pouring through. Yeah. It's like, that's blood. And the first time it makes landfall, and out of the gills, all this blood just starts being ejected from it. Yeah. There's something just neatly well, horrifying it's not, about that. It's not like he hasn't patched himself. He's not a full thing yet. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like... Yeah. And that's the thing. It's the, the visceral... 
pieces, like when the, the team is out there and they find a huge chunk of organic yeah. stuff like well, attached they, to the building. They make a comment that has like, oh, the U.S. took all the samples. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course they did. Yeah. Of course they did. But it's grotesque yeah. in a way that... it should. That's the way it should be. Like just how horrifying yeah. that weird chicken snake thing is when it first comes out. It's like, oh, this is... What? Yeah. It's unsettling. It just, it well, is, and he has no arms. Like yeah. he's like little stumps that eventually grow and he evolves. Yeah, it's just, it's so weird to look at. It doesn't it doesn't look right. And you're also looking at it. And you're not not really sure what you're seeing because it, it you know because of the way they've animated or I mean is it ever a puppet? Is it ever anything that is? It manipulated? feels like it's CGI the whole time because it looks because maybe the, way, the chicken snake was a puppet at some point. The chicken snake looks like you said it looks like a like a, a parade float. Yeah, and it has this very strange movement to it that doesn't look like mm-hmm. traditional CGI. It was like when Tim Burton in Mars Attacks made the CGI look like oh, like stop like motion. motion. Yeah, yeah. It, sort it, of tortured locomotion. Yeah, like you, you can tell that they're they're trying something with it. That makes it look not like CGI because I think there's something probably still in Japan that, I mean, are are any of the new? You, they're mostly men in suits still, correct? Like they don't really do a lot of CGI Godzilla in, in um, Japan. What Dude. was the last Japanese Godzilla film? Was this one? But before that, Final yeah. War. Yeah, and that's like 2004, and yeah. that was a big deal because it was a digital Godzilla. Oh, it was digital Godzilla? Yeah, they got mad. Was, yeah, that's the, well. There's, there's such so there's such a pushback I feel against it because of the, the tradition is to have the man in suit, and it's like, well, let's do a CGI where it feels like it could be a puppet, it could be. But a we man can do in more suit. with it. it. Yeah, which is great. What's great about this though, it allows us because they do take so many liberties with Godzilla. Otherwise, it allows us to like reset anyway and go. Okay, new rules. Mm-hmm. It's starting off like this, and hopefully it evolves into something I'm more familiar with. But even once it does that, like, if it had just come up in that fully formed second or third stage, whatever they call it, Godzilla look that looks more traditional, and then started doing all those other crazy things with the back, you'd go, wait a minute, that's not what Godzilla does. But because they start off in this devolved state, you kind of, it just helps your suspension of disbelief even further. Uh, It's brilliant. It's really, really smart doing that. Because I was, even despite what, even though you guys... Kind of warned me. I was like, "What the? Yeah, fuck it doesn't is look right at all." Yeah, the first time I watched it was on a terrible, stuttering streaming screener that okay. would just freeze every now and then. And the first time it froze was when it was a full-on <laughs> shot of the of the chicken monster. Wow! With the, the, with the heat lines, and the heat lines, straight staring straight at the camera yeah, when it's coming down, and it just kept looking at me, and it was really disturbing because it doesn't move. Yeah, yeah, it's not right. Because yeah. it, it doesn't blink, but that's like it's like fish are right. It, it, if it blinks, it's probably really fast, and mm-hmm. you don't notice it. Yeah, I feel like even at one point there's uh, it fires up, and it almost has one of those crocodile type third eyelids where it oh, covers yeah. it up to protect itself. Yep. Yeah, and, and, the, so and really, the jaw splitting at the bottom like. Oh, yeah. that was fantastic. It's not right. It's so. No. <laughs> it's so not well because it, it, that takes away Blood's from the sort of the gills. Yeah. The, yeah, and and at every point they're trying to push back against that cuddly idea of what you know how Godzilla's become now. Um, as, he, yeah, he should be unsettling. Yeah, yeah, he well, should yeah. be. My favorite interpretations of Godzilla are the ones where he's his motivations are unknowable. Uh-huh. I mean, he might be a good guy, but. He's still going to stomp everything in, in its path and not... Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong has some fun with that where you empathize with Kong because he's 
an ape and he's anthropomorphic and yeah. he's got people translating for him. And Godzilla just shows up and his first act is, well, I'm amphibious, he's not, I'm going to drown him. Mm-hmm. And it's just so direct and logical. The thing I love about the, the new Godzillas is that it, they understand, like, we never see him pry the, uh, the opponent's mouth open and fry it from the inside with, with, the, with the radioactive breath. When that happened at the end of the first Godzilla, I saw that at a, at a crowded um, IMAX screening, and the room just lost their minds. Yeah. And the logic there is still understandable to us, and this movie doesn't give us that at all. It just it doesn't make sense. It's it's just rampaging. No one else understands. They, what was it? Somebody says at one point, <laughs> what is his what is his pattern? And they say he's just walking. They have no, <laughs> they have no answer. It's true though. It's just like yeah. he does, that he doesn't go. That's not what he does. Yeah. Why would you understand yeah. this version? That nobody understands it. I don't think even it knows what it wants. And it yeah. doesn't do anything. It has no objectives. There's never any explanation. It's not headed towards a nuclear plant or yeah. anything like that. It's just there. It's so random. Well, even it's they're constantly undermining each other too. Like they're like, I think it's a. Even when they first start, the first guy's like, it's a creature under the water. Like, stop being crazy. Yeah. We're <laughs> in a meeting. This right. is being recorded. They're recording the minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then five minutes later, he's like, I think he's right. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, you know, not too long after that, the woman, they're talking about, like, well, what's its energy source? And she mentions nuclear, and you're like, don't you dare talk nuclear. Yeah. And then, you know, five seconds later, it's like, ah, yeah, the nuclear thing. And then, again, with the walking, yeah. where it's like, it can't possibly support its own weight. It's like, it, it's what? It's yeah. where? But yeah. she already said it's already supporting its own weight, right? Like it's, and yeah. that's, that's the hierarchy, if you're not of that. Because when he asks, he says, do you have any contacts? So, well, she's really low-ranking, but she's, she was smart in school. So, yeah, bring her up. Mm-hmm. And no one would listen to her. Everybody was like, and that one guy gives her that dirty look. She's like, how dare you even speak your mind like that? Uh, and that's kind of how it goes. It's like if you're an underling, everything you say is complete bullshit. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. No, 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 no. And it's not until they go, oh, my God. And it's not until they make that, the higher-ups make that realization. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, okay. You know, it's like Die Hard. I think they're shooting, they're shooting at the lights. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I think they're shooting at the lights. Like, it's literally <laughs> that level of stubbornness. Yeah. And, like, just strict adhesion to hierarchy. Again, it's... But, yeah, but again, it plays that line beautifully for me anyway because it doesn't make anyone... a an outright buffoon, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, even when, like, they killed off the first prime minister and some other cabinet members, and I was like, oh, I'm expecting, like, the Trump version to be the next one to come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so even that guy was not... You know, they, they play for a second with the, Didn't my noodles are yeah. cold. Yeah. yeah. I knew this job was going to suck. But that's it. And then after that, it's just, oh, he's just a, a he's guy a, that was... He's a career bureaucrat. Yeah, that was yeah. put into a sheep. And like they all say, it's like, of course they put him in. No one wants responsibility yeah. right now. <laughs> no no one, like, on the on the rise wants to take over right now because their career will be over very... They're, they're, people are going to have to make, like, a wartime president. You're going to have to make some very uncomfortable choices that will not look good on you no matter what choice you make. The one thing that I didn't really understand is because when, like, the boy and the girl are talking, it's like they're talking in English and then they just switch to Japanese right away. Because she worked, she worked for the uh, United States. Yeah, but, but why are they talking in English and then two seconds later they're talking in Japanese? That's a surprisingly common thing in, in foreign films where people will slip in and out of English sometimes. Well, in foreign countries. Yeah. You know. 
but they yes. suddenly have a well, little exchange it, in English. And yeah, it, it, I thought it was odd because her character was supposed to be like a naturalized U.S. citizen. Yeah. Uh, and so Japan is her, her grandmother's country, so that's why they sent her, because her Japanese was supposed to be passable. Like, she sort of says, but I'm sorry, my honorifics aren't good, can we just get to the chase? But her English was not, she's not natural, obviously she's no, not natural. No, her, her, yeah. her English was terrible. Well, yeah, it was. <laughs> and, and so, like, that's that's a thing, and, and so for that, and they'll do that in a lot of, the Korean cinema has that too, where they'll have, they'll have Eng- like, Caucasian people speaking in, in Korean, Way better than mine sometimes, but often yeah. really bad English, mm-hmm. uh, Korean. But they'll do the reverse too. It's like Korean speakers, or in this case, Japanese speakers, whose English is terrible. Well, the, the, the English speaking performers in this movie were not great. Well, that, and yeah. that's the other thing too, right? Like, I thought uh, the guy on the plane was Regis Philbin for a second. <laughs> the voice is very familiar. Yeah. I was convinced like, that was a weird cameo. Like, they, they recorded the voice later and right. shot just like. A dude's hands. Well, there was one point where I thought it was Nanny from the Muppets. I thought Bob Picardo popped up at one point. There was a guy at the window who looks kind of like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would make sense. Right. You get one genre actor. Sure, exactly. Well, yeah. it's like it's like in The Host, which we talked earlier. Didn't they have like, what's his name? Is it not uh, oh, it's, Scott, uh, Scott Stuart, Wong. Stuart Wilson? No, no, no. no. Scott Wilson. Scott Wilson. Scott, Scott Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's one of the people like actually, on the shore. Yeah, he actually got, like legit. No, he's, he's a U.S. Junior. Army doctor. Yeah, yeah. He's like, guy just dump all the formaldehyde all down the drain. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, he's in the he's in the, he's in the opening. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Well, I was thinking of is it Final Wars or Tokyo SOS where there's absolute, a, just a horrible American actor playing an American military man, and it's just it's like it's like Nick Adams level from the old Godzilla movies, mm. just just abysmal. Um, it's, I think it's I think it's Final Wars. There's that dude who's like he's he's with the mustache. He's the captain of that one ship, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. he's supposed to be Russian, but it's, he's just like wow. Yeah, it's just like this is the guy who was near the studio the day they needed yeah. a guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's not an actor. Yeah, it's, it's just you, the, you're Western. Come yeah, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. the white guy who can you know possibly do some kung fu kicks? Like, I think in like some of the the Jet Li movies, there's always like one oh, white guy right. who pops up. The adversary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who will be dispatched very soon in the second act. Yeah, I loved, uh, and how did you feel, even because there's a lot of, like, just talking and bureaucratic stuff, like, it wasn't, like, the traditional Godzilla movie we have nowadays, where it's just almost pure action for the last hour, if not more. I haven't seen those ones. No, but just in terms of your, I mean, you have a better tolerance than some people your age, but were you bored? Uh, sometimes, just a little bit, though. There's a lot of talking going on. Yeah. You know, there's like a half hour stretch where nothing really... Yeah. No, there's no monster action. Yeah. Stuff is happening, but it takes a while for it to pay off. Yeah. Well, as you, you can't as you really gr- get bored because you're just reading subtitles the whole time. It's true. But you can get lost in that, right? Yeah, that can almost, like, can. knock you out. Mm-hmm. But that, as you age, you will uh, understand the hypocrisy of bureaucratic <laughs> nature. Mm-hmm. What? Well, uh, I don't know. I feel like you've probably seen a lot of it in the last year or two on, on TV or on, on the news. Every science table you can imagine. Yeah. Well, in a weird way, by seeing it from this point of view, uh, you know, and that's how I've tried to been through the pandemic too, is just to go when people are frustrated by the fact that you know, especially with our kids, try, are they going to be in school or not going to be in school? This or that, and it's like, look, it's like nobody. This is unprecedented. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Everyone's just trying to figure out the best thing to do, and that changes every day. Yeah. So say, like, of course, like my wife would get frustrated with the fact that. Because she's a teacher as well. That her school still didn't know. Like they were supposed to be making an announcement to the parents the next day, and the teachers didn't know what was going on. But I'm like, because everyone's waiting 
for the most up-to-date information right before they have to make a call so that way they can make the most accurate call. I get it. It sucks. But I kind of get it because they're trying to figure it all out when nobody knows anything. Yeah. There is the element of political maneuvering, though, that is very... There are parallels in this movie and with what's going on in the provincial government especially. It's because, yeah. you know, provincial government, they're, they're playing politics. They opened up stuff early because enough people were angry and they were trying to play that angle. It's like, what's going to make us... What's going to give us political capital enable to so we don't look bad like we look like we know what we're doing in the you know uh and there's that inability to make anything happen like substantive happen because they're not listening in this case like in in the provincial case to the scientists saying hey we're the medical experts this is what we need to do the government's like yeah 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 but but we've got this group of people they're really really mad right now so and the level of political sort of jockeying there too between like the U.S. and mm-hmm. and uh, Japan in terms of France exchanging and like, yeah and all this and stuff yeah. it was just Germany. like you just sort of saw why everything gets bogged down because it's not about just serving the people no right it's yeah. about saving face where's my position in this how do I justify this or that how do we placate or you know not piss off this group of people yeah and we see the parallel of that right now in our federal election that's going on in Canada. Where it's like, Trudeau's called this election early, and everyone's going, why, why would you do this? This is the worst time to do this. Do you not care about the, you know? And so they're using that. Like, that's everyone's stance against him is like, that you, it was an irresponsible choice to do that. Uh, so it's interesting, but it's the same thing. It's like, yeah. is that political jockeying? What's the motivation? So you see those parallels happening yep. in our real world, you know, crisis, which is nowhere we're near as, you know, threatening as a Godzilla attack or, or <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. Similar existential threat. Yeah, but it's, sure. it's it's so it's it was kind of nice to see. Oh, okay, so we're not the only country who's that has that. It's like any country with any sort of political, like any government it, that that's it's happening there. Like they said it. It's good to see that that scene where they're in the office and they've all just like sort of they've spent the night there like the last few nights. And one guy says, "You know, your shirt smells." No, yeah, just before that. <laughs> yeah. But it was like uplifting because it's like. People are working. They're staying late. And bringing more or, food. Or they're coming back early with food. Like, people are just doing the work, and it doesn't matter. And then one guy goes, well, maybe there's some hope for this country. And for me, that resonated, because it's like, wow, how many times have we said that about our own country? It's like, we think we have, we're the only ones that have that sort of problem in the world. Like, but it's it's anywhere with a democracy or any yeah. place with politicians or, or government bureaucracy. It's the same. Right. That's that's humans. That's why we can't have nice things. <laughs> well, and that's and that's what you see now. Like when when you know you're faced with what we're faced with, like you see the best and the worst of people coming out, right? Like just on the drive over here, we drove by a park where there's at least 500 people in the park. Wow, like close together. And I, I didn't know if it was like an anti-vaxxer riot or whatever it was, but, well, and, but before that, it I don't was, think it was that. It was like I don't know. They were like, but people think they're you can smell weed. The, no, no, this one guy was in the middle on top, like, doing something, and everybody was like, yeah. I didn't know if he was speaking or not, I couldn't tell, no, no, but he, even... He jumped off something. Uh, it was just, like, something like that. Oh, so maybe it was just a bunch of kids. But even that, it was still, like, so, so many people in such such close proximity, right? Yeah. And then, you know, five blocks before that, there was, uh, you know, 50 people waiting outside a club to go in. Jeez. You know, that kind of stuff, right? So it's just like, oh, but then you have other people, you see people just doing things for other people and helping out in ways that they haven't before and communities coming together. And so, you know, I know, Paul, with you, like, your street was like banging the pot every night, right? Yeah. Outside, like, for the for the frontline workers, yeah. you know? 
uh, and just that kind of stuff. So you see, you really do see like the rise of, of both sides of it. People either get more. Like I always talk about how I think there was a meme that went around the idea that it's like you know several generations ago people were asked to like go to the front lines and go to war. We're being asked to sit on our couch mm-hmm. and, and just watch shit and shut up. Yeah. And we can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Conscription well, would not do well. some of us can. Some of us can. Oh, we're doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. No, but that, but that idea that it's like, I, it makes me worry that if we were ever like called to a war where a conscription came in, I'm like, how? It would cause a civil war because yeah. people just wouldn't listen. They, would, they don't have that sense of nationality that the previous generations had. You know, for good and for worse, like, we're willing to question our governments and say, well, wait a minute, I want more information as opposed to just blindly following. But with that, like, in certain times where we should probably just shut up and listen a little bit, we don't, you know? So it's it's a weird thing where it's like, you see, I don't know. Yeah, you spend decades making popular narratives about mavericks who won't listen to authority and then you suddenly can't be surprised. I suppose you can be surprised because governments certainly were when people just all decide they're the hero instead of the people that, you know, clap Tom Cruise on the back after mm-hmm. a successful mission mm-hmm. for saving the world. It's like, no, I... Re- I do, like, the, the three dumbest words coming out of this entire pandemic have been do your research, right? Like, mm-hmm. the thing that the anti-vaxxers... Say. And there, there is a scene in this that predicts that, too, the Save Godzilla people at the yeah. rally. I is, laughed. It's hysterical. Yeah. What do they, what do they think they can accomplish? What what are you saving Godzilla from? He's not in yeah. danger. Well, I love that too. It's like we should capture him. Yeah, like, and yeah. use him as an energy source. It's like I don't think he'll be down with that. Like, yeah. But even when everything first goes down in the tunnel, everyone's like, "It's a water slide." It's like that's exactly what would happen. Yeah, yeah. These little flashes of pure humanity. Yeah, follow way. follow the fun. Well, I'm just waiting for. It's like I was waiting for like a quick moment where you saw. When during Godzilla's dormant phase, when he was in the city, just all the people doing selfies right. with the right. dormant Godzilla, going, got it, he's safe now, it's fine. Yeah, just hanging off a scale or something, just to, you know... Like, well, just the way people in our area walk around going, oh, well, I have, I'm double vaxxed now, so I'm, I'm immune. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's not <laughs> how it works. Kind of. I took a no. selfie with him, so I'm immune. Yeah, it's like, he can't attack me, he's, uh, he's immobilized. We're all safe now. Yeah, he can still fall on you. I mean, he's very yeah, large. Don't get too close. Well, I mean, to the it. amount of damage in that immediate area too. Yeah. <laughs> to get where he gets with yeah, dead of radiation poisoning by the time you got near his tail. Yeah, which is funny. In three years, all the radiation will be gone. Yeah, like, that was the big thing. It's like that's good news for Tokyo. It's yeah. Like, yeah, three years is a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Not not anyone within the vicinity right now. We're all <laughs> so oh, we're all going to die. Yeah. yeah, the people we yeah. evacuated. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. As they cough into their handkerchiefs and see bloods. <laughs> yeah, that's just it. Like, like, that's a good point. Like, as they're talking about, well, in 10 years you'd be prime minister, it's like, no one there is living 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, that, anyone that's within a couple mile radius is. Yeah. They never really. The, the oh, Only the first film kind of deals with it. The original Gojira with the scene in the hospital. Hmm. Yeah. But. Even the American films had to come up with the, oh, Godzilla's reabsorbing the radiation. Although I think there's a couple. Of the 90s films where that happens, in the Japanese Godzilla films where he reabsorbs... Oh, yeah, it's it's um, it's the, um, the one where Godzilla dies, Destroya, where little Godzilla, who's been running around in the background for three or four movies, emerges as the new Godzilla because he absorbs all the radiation from the dying Godzilla. It's the whole thing. Hmm. But they keep saying, you know, it's okay. He's, he's rampaging and ruining stuff, but there's no long-term radiation. Like, it's not... We're not going to extend the metaphor that far. Yeah, because his skin is so thick, he also stores the radiation inside. Sure. 
<laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Like armor. We invented the uh, thingamajig. Yes. I remember in the first one, um, they were like going to his feet footprints, and we were like. Oh, drinking the water? No, they weren't drinking the water. No, no, but no, they were going to his footprints and just touching things that were on his feet, like a f- fish that's like. Oh, that's right, the boiled fish and stuff that's left in his wake. millions of years old. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah, that was right. underneath yeah, the yeah. ocean. And, that's right. and we're like, well, all those people are going to die. The first one, surprisingly, like, not surprisingly, but it's, it's super poignant and heartbreaking. Like, I remember watching that the first time and just being really impressed by just how emotive it is. Mm-hmm. You know, the way this one is. Like, when they, when you have those, especially when, the moments when they're talking about the the concept of dropping the bomb on yeah. Japan again, like everyone, like like Paul, you were saying, like they don't even have to act those moments; they just need to channel their own life's experiences. It's uh, this is easily for me up there with the original in terms of just kind of like nailing the point of Godzilla, or at least a new version of that, like a modern take on it, mm-hmm. in a way that's fresh and and smart. I would. I'd love to see both a sequel to this, mm-hmm. uh, and also it's one of those rare occasions where I'm like, I'd I'd be open to an American remake because I'd want to see like if someone did it right and and took a real look at American politics and how the American system would do it without it becoming Mars Attacks, mm-hmm. like that would be cool to see because it would be different, right? Like their politics, like do you mention like Paul mentioned the hierarchy of like just the hierarchy and how you don't speak without spoken because of just cultural values. The ones in America are different, right? Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be a straight remake anyway. It would be like lampooning that bureaucracy, and that'd be I'm up for it. That's an like that's an Armando Iannucci thing. Yeah, I would love to see his version of a Godzilla film. I was gonna say Armando Iannucci or like an Adam McKay Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. he has something coming out this year about scientists who see a comet approaching the Earth on a oh yeah, don't, look, don't up. look up. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, it is a comedy about how they can't get anyone to listen. <laughs> And well, I don't know that we're ready for that. Just <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we are. Yeah, that's his. That's his COVID movie by turning into a metaphor. I think so. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the way to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't do it with Godzilla because you can't avoid Godzilla. Godzilla is on the skyline. But something that's just outside your field of vision, something you can't see. I don't know, a virus that emerges unexpectedly into humans. You can get a lot of mileage out of like just basic stupidity and resistance. Yeah. As we've seen. As we've seen. Uh, final thoughts, Ephraim. Thoughts? Final thoughts, yeah, on, on, oh. on Shin Godzilla. It was good and weird. <laughs> <laughs> You're so tired right now. No. It's okay. Chris. Um, yeah, just a great uh, a great bookend to our, our other, other Godzilla episode. More than I expected. I actually, you know, I'm glad you guys didn't uh, didn't give away too much. Um, but I had it in my mind that it was going to be a world where all these things were in place because they were used to Godzilla emerging. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be like a meta, like all the different Godzilla. Like, all right, all right. Bring the, you know, let's go with the do Godzilla protocols. Yeah, same. Yeah. Which also would be probably an interesting story, but I like the way that this was done, and I like the way that it harkened back to the original. And, you know, was funny and satirical, but... Yeah, poignant, and there's a certain point where the laughter kind of catches in your throat because you can uh, maybe now more than ever personally connect to this kind of world. So yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm really glad we watched it. Paul, 
I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, second time through, especially like watching it a few days apart. Uh, mm. There's a trick to reading the subtitles I found as well, um, because even though they're speaking, you, you're trained to go, oh, you look down because they're speaking. So, but a lot of times uh, they would speak. The title would come up, their title honorific would come up, you could read that, and then you go down, and then they would actually start with what they were saying. So they would actually start earlier, orally, but then visually it would go. So like I found it much easier to keep track of the characters. Um, it was a fresh, great sort of, again, like I was talking about before, a perspective on, on Godzilla and the other side of that equation too. It's like the bureaucracy, how, does, how do the humans deal with just having this gigantic monster rampage through. I love the fact that they didn't have a name for him until about right. more than halfway through the movie, and it wasn't until the Americans sort of came up with it. Well, mm-hmm. thank God they called him this, so now we can just use yeah, that name, right? Yeah, we are the waste time. There's, yeah. have you ever, has anyone here read the the Gotham Central comic book series? No. It's it's it remind just what you said the way you described this here. They, that's what that says. It's like it's it's Batman written through the point of view of the Gotham police force. And it's just like, cool. we still have to do all this stuff we normally do, but there's a vigilante out here who is just doing whatever the hell he wants to do. And we have to kind of find the Joker too. But <laughs> sure. also, can't we just wait for Batman to do it? And it's like, well, no, your job is to still protect the people. You can't <laughs> assume Batman's going to get around with it. But then also just having to deal with all the bureaucracy and the, the cleanup and dealing with, and then the, the corruption inside of the... It's really fascinating to watch her from that. And Batman's just like a really small supporting character in that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I think they, they, you can get them in trades of like, there's oh, five of them. Let me check that out. Yeah, it sounds great. Read. Uh, and I think it's Ed Brubaker. Oh, oh great. Them. So, He's like, top notch yeah. writing. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, and again, with the, the different perspective of Godzilla just being like a force of nature and something that was truly upsetting and disturbing and frightening. I think, like, it missed, my kids were just like, wow, this is not, like, the regular Godzilla. They loved that, the fact that it was a fresh take on it. And I just looked up the title, like, Shin Godzilla, what does that mean? Like, specifically, and they, uh, I was reading that Shin, it uh, meant a number of different things, but one is new or true mm. Godzilla. So oh. was, that's an interesting sort of take on the title as well, that, that if this is, like, a true version of what Godzilla should be, not some altruistic sort of, like, hero of the people, which he has become, but something that is actually quite frightening and devastating and uh, has no random purpose, but is, is, is created because of mankind's folly, I think is, is, is a great sort of perspective shift. And I'm, I'm enjoying watching movies and shows that have that slight shift in perspective so you can see it from the other side. Um, yeah. Maybe it's all the reboots that we're watching or, or whatever, but it's, it's, it's nice to see that flip side. Yeah, so. it's the thing that answers all the questions you've been thinking of since you were a kid, right? Yeah. Like, how will this work? And someone else who spent his entire life thinking the same things finally got to make the movie. And I, I have to say, I wasn't familiar with, I'm probably even going to butcher the pronunciation, um, Evangelion, yeah. uh, which is the series that Hideaki Anno made. Um, it's it's giant robot fighting forces, I think, but but sort of a textured, character-driven version of it. So that's his thing, and he made this movie. Uh, just out of nowhere, it was announced that he was going to make a Godzilla movie. And everybody said, really? Doesn't he make giant robots and people who fly them and have affairs with each other? And it's like uh, a, almost a soap opera version of what we think of when we think of Pacific Rim. Right, right. And this kind of speaks to that. Because even though we only spend 
20 minutes with certain characters, he knows who they are, he's thought them through. Everybody in this is very clearly defined in yeah. what they want, what they want to do, what their values are, what their morals are. By the end of the movie, we, we understand who these people are. And it's not the, the 90s Godzilla movies where, and this is what I'm thinking, like he grew up or he came up watching the, the 90s Godzilla movies where there was a Godzilla, like a G-force, a Godzilla fighting force, mm-hmm. and they had protocols, and they always complained about why he had to keep hitting Tokyo because Osaka's right there, and it's that <laughs> sort of comedy. And he was like, well, no, that would be a really shitty job. Mm-hmm. That would be really hard. What would that be like? And this is the movie that came out. Yeah, wow. And it's, and yeah, yeah, they feel more like, it feels more like in moments you're watching a documentary because everyone just feels so fully formed, like you said, and they're not tropes. They're not yeah. these archetypes of, of that kind of person. Yeah, and there's almost no expository dialogue about their backstories. Mm-hmm. Just zero. Which is great. They're, they're, yeah. they're talking, they're doing their jobs. And yeah. later, you know, we get some sense of ambitions and you're a political animal, she wants to be president, things like that. But again both of those characters kind of shrug it off because it's not important right now when they get on with the mission. So it's just focus-driven. <laughs> well, it's all just smart people doing the best they can do. Right. You know? mm-hmm. I was going to say, <laughs> the way you described it, it almost makes it sound like it's like the Dick Wolf version of Godzilla. <laughs> you know but, but you know what I mean? Like it's almost, it's, there's a very sort of like meat and potatoes procedural yeah. quality to it. Which is really interesting. Oh man, they just need to have one scene where they, they go recruit a scientist who's working on the loading dock or something. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish this, then we can talk about your giant monster. These crates aren't going to unload themselves, Godzilla experts. <laughs> I would watch that show. Absolutely. So funny. Ma in order. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh. Godzilla. Mothra in order. Hmm. Hmm. Um, seismic victims unit. <laughs> All those shows should have done one off with Godzilla, like an ER <laughs> with Godzilla in the background, yeah. dealing with uh, all of them. All of them, yeah. 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 Or have Mothra show up as a witness, the, like the, the famous person who shows up in the first act and then turns out to be the killer in the third act. <laughs> oh well, obviously it's a giant butterfly. No, you don't know that. We have to question the other guy with the hat. Ghidorah <laughs> intent. Well, Norm, thank you so much for hosting this. It was, it was a pleasure returning to a group setting for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm dealing with some emotions about the fact that we have not seen each other in person for almost two years and that we all made it. It's one of those things that just keeps coming back. It's like, oh, no, this is normal. This is what normal is. This feels right. Yeah. And I'm so glad you could all be here. And we could watch, you know, Carnage and Destruction as, as God intended. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all go Thanks for joining us for Shin Godzilla. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.